You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets, episode 37, March 2nd, 2017. How are you guys doing today? I hope you are well. Bitcoin prices going ballistic. Let's get right into a market update. Uh, the Bitstamp price, I've been quoting that because there's no margin used there. So it's it's more of a, a solid price, in my opinion. And the exchange has been around for a very long time. So um, it is a solid price. 1267 even right now we had a big run up this morning uh, it seems like every day we keep hitting new highs we did pass gold this morning a lot of people were talking about that gold is sitting about 1240 and we just we didn't even stop there was a tiny bit of resistance around that level but i mean the high today so far is 1285 Okay, uh, CNY price is 82.50, and remember they got all the way up to 88.88 in January, like the first or second day of January. So they are not at all-time highs yet, but again, the price is suppressed over there because of the no withdraw, no withdraw policy that they have on the Chinese exchanges. Apparently, some exchanges are starting to allow withdrawals like unofficially. I've heard some rumors uh, to that uh, respect, but as a policy, I think they're still locked down. Um, who, who knows? I, I think China doesn't matter so much anymore. So uh, there's that. The JPY price is 147987 so right around 150K yen. And that's good. I mean, that's one of the Japanese markets are what's going to be pushing this. They've kind of taken the place of the Chinese volume in a way. But yeah, Bitfinex is there pushing it and the Japanese exchanges. I think there's there's just all good things all around. And plus, also BitMEX has been really picking up in volume. So um, even though you don't trade spot there, it's all futures. But they they have their volume has picked up quite a bit as well. Okay, um, local bitcoins volume this last week hit another all time high. We we did have all time high as I said on the last podcast was uh, right around twenty five million, and this week is right around twenty eight million twenty seven point nine million dollars. Um, but you know, there's been some reports from local bitcoin sellers. That a lot of this volume, a lot of the volume that's done on local bitcoins does not actually appear in this number. Um, you know, they do the OTC, they have clients. Uh, like if you're starting to sell on local bitcoins and you're selling to the same big buyers every week or every month, then you'll continue to do that and you won't go through the local bitcoins site. So um, this this could be drastically low. Let's take a look at Paxful as well. Because Paxful is a rival, and it looks like they did not have an all-time high this week, or they they tied their all-time high at 3.1 million. So they're coming up. Another uh, 
place that you can buy peer-to-peer is called BitSquare. Let's take a look at those volumes. That That's a client you download onto your own computer and you trade Bitcoins peer-to-peer on it. Um, it's still early for them, but they are doing great work. They are not at all-time high volume either, but uh, let's see. It says, oh, $20,000. $20,000 this week from BitSquare. So not near, you know, not a, no, it's, it's a total or, order of magnitude less than the other two, obviously. Um, I thought it said 20 million at first. I was like, what? But no, they're, they're, they're up and coming though. So be watching out for BitSquare. If you want to download, uh, BitSquare software, go to their website. I'll, I'll try to find it and link it in the show notes, but, um, or I'll find it and link it in the show notes. And, Try it out. I mean, if you want to sell a tenth of a Bitcoin, you know, add some liquidity there. They're always looking for liquidity there. I heard they're going to rebrand, so there might be some more volume coming on BitSquare in the future. Just, that's just a heads up. Okay, um, let's see. Blockchain volume. Let's go to the last 24 hours of volume on the Bitcoin blockchain was $353 million worth of Bitcoin transacted. That has to be an all-time high um the price is at all-time highs the vol, you know the blocks are full most of them that aren't mined by bitcoin and limited people because they're mining not full blocks ironically but yeah that's got to be all-time high usd volume for amount of bitcoins transacted on the blockchain let's go to the next statistic difficulty oh man this is shooting up again um i try to talk about all these kind of fundamentals uh, of the price at least a a handful of them and this is one that i hit every time and that is the difficulty we had some really big jumps this year um so let's see this year let me run through the ones from this year six percent sixteen percent seven percent and four percent those are the increases in difficulty um in the last, what is that, four adjustment periods. We are approaching another adjustment period just about a less than a day away, and it looks to be going up 5% this time. So we're continuing to go up and up and up on the difficulty, which is a good sign, in my opinion. And uh, at the same time, we see Bitcoin Limited numbers dropping, so that's also a good sign. Let's take a look at SegWit adoption. Also, guys, in my show notes on my website, bitcoinandmarkets.com, I have links to all these sources for everything I talk about. And and during the show, you know, um, I say it all the time, but I I link a lot of stuff in the show notes. Okay. Um, On this. So we, we used to see dips all the way down to 15% of blocks in the last day mined for SegWit. And now we're seeing dips, not even to 20%. Uh, so, you know, the, the variance is, is the range of the variance is getting higher. And so the average, the 2016 block average is going up. We are at about, it looks to be about 27%, 27.5. And this is the first time since SegWit's come out, that we've broken that 26% mark. And, you know, that looks really good. But I will talk about 
another option that is making its way, just starting to make its way through the community and through the news cycle. It's called User Activated Soft Fork. Um, that's right on the horizon, and that's a big deal. I talk about it. That's one of my last things I talk about here on the show today. But, um, yeah, strong, strong, strong. Segwit strong. Bitcoin Limited, not so strong. <laughs> that's all I have for a market update. Um, I have some things I didn't record, so my usual way of doing this is I'll record a, a f several segments or my, my segments, and then I come back and do this opening, and then I wrap it all together and, and upload it. So something I didn't cover in the other segments is this Marine Le Pen from France. She's doing very well in the polls. She's a populist, just like, say, a Donald Trump or a Brexit vote was a populist vote, um, and it's sweeping sweeping she's sweeping france and she had a speech in the european parliament where she's a representative and angela merkel was sitting there uh, and she just tore her a new one just tore her a new one and to me it was like putting drawing a line in the sand and saying past this we will not go we want individual freedom. We want individual rights. We want, you know, national sovereignty. And I think this kind of could symbolize like a turning point. Some of these Nigel Farage and um, Daniel Hannon speeches from several years ago in the European Parliament, those were similar. Um, and they kind of symbolized that the UK was going this direction. And now we see this from all over the place. And Le Pen was getting applauded by a lot of people, booed by half and applauded by the other half. So this, the European project is in deep, deep trouble. If you are holding euros, I would recommend diversifying as much as possible out of the euro because, uh, you know, it could explode any month. Any month it could absolutely explode, especially with the elections of Italy and France coming up this year. Both favored to win in those two countries are uh, anti-Euro and anti-European parties. So, Anyway, um, also up front I want to mention patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. That's where you go to support the show. Uh, every episode I put out a second episode that is extra content, a little bit more in depth, um, a little bit more, uh, tailored towards my members. And, uh, yeah, you get access for that for a dollar a month. I recommend the $5 a month that helps me get, uh, closer to my goal. You can also, uh, just, uh, donate one off using PayPal or Bitcoin on the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com. Thank you so much for the people that have donated in the past and continue to do so week in, week out. Uh, it means, it means a lot to me that you guys find this content useful and worthwhile to, to tip me. So, uh, if you do me another favor, I'd appreciate it if you guys could, uh, thumbs up, heart this, this podcast, uh, that helps other people find it. Um, also, if, if you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening that has reviews, that would be great. Uh, also, comments help. So if I ruffle your feathers, if I uh, say something maybe you agree with or disagree with vehemently, then tell me in the comments. The more comments I get, the more I think that helps me move up uh, and help 
other people find my show. So thank you. Got a story here on deep.web. It's a story about a guy, a seller, drug dealer, a seller of drugs on the Silk Road, uh, ending. He was the one of the largest sellers from April 2012 to July 2013. And he has recently gone to court now in Potsdam, Germany. And it is, uh, this story is just kind of detailing their problems with getting his at his money this guy was really really big on silk road millions and millions of dollars taken down and there were they are prosecuting this guy um the fbi and some other agencies you know they had something to say about exactly how much these people made it was a group of a group of individuals and one guy was kind of like the lead bitcoin guy and so he's taking the fall but they can't find the bitcoin <laughs> the defendant is saying that uh the bitcoin is still at silk road and silk road is offline there's no way to get the bitcoin out they cannot find this money and i think it's hilarious because you know these guys they in traditional drug cases they will arrest the people and they'll get this big pot of uh cash right so that they they can pay for their fees their legal fees the prison fees the all of these other things by confiscating this money so it's a good business model for them let's let them get big they'll get a pot of cash they'll get you know, big bank accounts or whatever, then we'll swoop in and we'll arrest them and we'll confiscate all that money. But with Bitcoin, you're not going to be able to do that. So as they, you know, maybe they'll still prosecute, uh, you know, a handful of these cases, but as they start are like, man, it just cost us $2 million and three years to prosecute this guy. And we got nothing. Zero. It was a big, fat waste of time and money to prosecute these people. And so they're not going to do it. Eventually, they will give up. And I think that is awesome that Bitcoin is actively taking it to the, to the people. Or actively taking it to these banks and this government that is, you know, trying to arrest people for flowers. I mean, in this specific case, it was cocaine, but I mean, it's a plant product. So they're trying to destroy people's lives because they want to possess a plant. It's just so weird to me. Um, and whether I agree with it or not, it, it cannot be stopped. That's like saying, I don't agree with earthquakes. Okay. Earthquakes are a force of nature. You cannot stop. It doesn't fucking matter if you agree with earthquakes or not. It doesn't matter if you agree with drug usage. It's going to happen. And with Bitcoin, you cannot stop it. Period. End of story. Stop fighting nature, people. All right. Next one. 
next story here I have is um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this. Uh, I had a question the other day on Twitter, and I said, because, you know, lightning is, is so awesome, and people don't really understand lightning, and I don't really understand it, obviously, 100%, um, but I get the power. I get the general idea of it, and the kind of almost limitless potential of it. Uh, it it's a brand new uh, frontier for Bitcoin. And I've always been kind of interested in counterparty. Uh, because I always thought that it's, it's leveraging Bitcoin itself, where you had Ethereum uh, or these other type of um, cryptos that were altcoins and they weren't tied to Bitcoin. But uh, when Counterparty came out and they did the proof of burn and they did all these other things, I was very fascinated because it was it was uh, leveraging Bitcoin. I still am kind of in that camp. I haven't thought a ton about Counterparty in a while. Um, every once in a while I do. I still own some Counterparty actually, I think. I haven't been in that wallet in a long time, but uh, anyway, so I was thinking lightning and counterparty tokens because you, I saw a tweet or something. I saw some, some story about spells of Genesis and, you know, they use like counterparty tokens and things. And then I was thinking, oh, well, that would be pretty cool to have tokens in game currency tokens that, you know, you can send around and. Anyway, so I thought it would be kind of cool if there could be a lightning for counterparty tokens. And so I just shot in the dark. I tweeted out, hey, does anybody know anything about lightning and counterparty and how that would work? Um, Jop, what's his last name? Hartog. Jop Hartog, he's a guy from the Netherlands over there. Good developer. I think he did Block Trail. Um Seems to be a really good guy, and he responded, he's, and he sent me a link to this YouTube video about Pico payments. And so I, I watched it. I link in the show notes here where these guys have made a Lightning implementation for Counterparty. It's on Testnet, and you can build on it right now. Um, obviously, it's not live. It probably needs Segwit to go live, but um, and more testing. But yes, people are actively doing this with Counterparty for these tokens. I think that's great. It's absolutely great. Um, we don't need, like, we can add whole industries with Counterparty. We can add whole industries with Lightning. And they don't necessarily need, like, they only need, say, two transactions a day on the Bitcoin blockchain. So we can take the all of these industries off-chain and settle to Bitcoin. So I thought that was interesting. Link to this YouTube video in the show notes. Good job, guys, on the Pico payments, and keep it up. I hope to hear more about that in the future.
right, next story up is from Isabella Kaminska, and you know she writes for the F, uh, Financial Times. Uh, link is in the show notes. But what I want to say about this is, you know, um, I've talked about her in the past. She is a mainstream financial, a member of the mainstream financial press, and uh, she's been writing about Bitcoin for a long time. I think she was in the Rise and Rise of Bitcoin, one of those earlier, or like a documentary type film that's a couple years old now. And, you know, she was a big skeptic. She was the basically calling it a bubble. It's going to die. It's dead. It's never coming back. And, you know, she's had to change her tune. Maybe she's learned something here in the last couple years. Um, but, I mean, she's good at mainstream financial stuff. Banks, knowing how the banks work, knowing how uh, markets work and things. Um, the same with... Francis Coppola and Paul Vigna, I think you say his name. There are other mainstream financial writers that have, uh, you know, given Bitcoin some attention over the years. But um, they don't quite get, they don't quite get it. They don't quite get Bitcoin. They don't understand that the legacy system is going to have to drastically change now. The world is different. Um, the situation where these banks are finding themselves in um, is is completely different. They're going to have to change. But anyway, um, and I think that's a handicap. Once you're a financial, once you understand the system and you're in the legacy system, you have like skin in the game, then it's really hard for you to wrap your head around disruption, right? That's not only for companies that are stuck in their ways, the innovate, the innovators dilemma, I think it's called. Um, not only is it hard for those companies to think outside the box and really handle disruption and notice it, but these, these writers as well, because they are stuck in, in their old way of thinking. And even when it freaking is staring them right in the face, they have a hard time adjusting. Anyway, uh, she has a new piece about this Ethereum Alliance that came out, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, EEA. And it's a, it's a big load of crap, right? It's like they're trying to sell private land networks based on Ethereum to these enterprises. Um, it's the same sort of thing from we see from Epicenter Bitcoin that they're, both of those guys on that show are engaged in startups, blockchain startups that are trying to milk people of money with no real, real benefits uh, years and years. I mean, how long are, are people going to take other people's money for R&D on blockchains until they actually deliver something of value? That's worth these millions of dollars. Um, I mean, no hate against entrepreneurs. Go ahead. Take a risk. That's what on, entrepreneurs are there to take risks. <laughs> but uh, the blockchain, private blockchains and, and enterprise blockchains are not a real thing. So anyway. Um, yeah, Isabella here is talking about uh, that Ethereum Foundation. And she meant, she says that they're, um, she says that they, 
shopped around, right? They had this this press release and they shopped it around to different mainstream media outlets um, looking for the people that wanted this exclusive and they they pitched it as an exclusive and framed how they wanted people to talk about it and yada, yada, yada. Um, and she also says the word alliance in this context definitely means cartel. So this is her wheelhouse, right? Like she knows how the banks work. She knows how uh, those things work. And so when she sees this, this kind of um, corruption and cartel in other things, she can rightfully call it out for what it is. Um, and I think this was a great uh, piece by Isabel Kaminska. So again, it's, it's linked in the show notes. Okay, let's cover this uh, real quick update on the ETF stuff because the price just keeps going up. I mean, as I'm recording this, we're at 1270 and the books are thin at the top. Man, I don't want to go into that right now. But anyway, okay, so the ETF, the market seems to be signaling that this is getting approved. There was an article from earlier this week um, about from Mike Venuto. He's a writer for ETF.com. And he said, quote, indeed, a Bitcoin ETF is likely to be approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission as soon as next month. Um, so that's interesting wording, it, likely. And he, he's a writer for ETF.com. He knows what's going on. He's not a dummy. Uh, and he goes through and details all of these proposals, the Winklevoss proposal, the Solid X one, and the Grayscale one. That's the bit, the Barry Silbert one. Um, talks about the long road to approval and yada, yada, yada. So I thought that that was a good article is definitely good. Like just wrap up for exactly what's happening. Um, he's, oh, he says down towards the bottom, um, in what will happen and should you use it? Um, he says, I'd say there's a greater than 50% chance there will be a Bitcoin ETF. All right, so looks looks pretty good. There was another article just, I think it was this morning, on Bloomberg. So one of the major outlets for financial news. And it's titled, Winklevoss Twins Await Imminent SEC Decision on Bitcoin ETF. And they go through the same sort of thing. That I've also read in some of these publications, I can't find it in this particular one, um, but they've said before, or I've read before that they don't have these type of meetings that they had on the February 14th. They don't have those type of meetings um, except to kind of address approval concerns like, okay, how are we going to launch this? And that's what I said on the previous podcast. If you guys listened to my episode 36, that I'm a lot of it is about the ETF. But the main quote here at the bottom that I wanted to bring up was from Eric uh, man, I'm bad with last names. Balkunas. He's an ETF analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. So he's a sharp guy. I mean, he knows what's going on in the industry. He has a pretty good idea of how the SEC works and how these ETFs work because uh, he is an ETF analyst for Bloomberg. And he says this, quote, 
All that adds up. If they are going to approve one, it's going to be the Winklevoss first. And they kind of deserve it. End quote. <laughs> so it's not, you know, Solid X is saying, they're saying, or he's saying that Solid X doesn't have a chance if the Winklevoss don't have a chance. And same with Barry Silberts. So, again, it sounds to me like a lot of these outlets are leaning towards a ETF approval. And the market, again, shows that. I don't know if I'm trying to convince you guys or myself, but I am still leaning towards an approval. But, you know, there is a chance that it will not get approved. So you have to be ready for that, too. Another aspect of this is where is all this demand coming from? Where are all these large cash buyers coming from? I was listening to the Whale Pool uh, YouTube channel. They They do live streaming of their kind of group chat that they do it's pretty neat i thought about maybe jumping on there but uh they phil potter was on he's what is he the coo or cto maybe i don't know of uh, biffinex he's c-level guy and he was saying that people are being approached by a big buyer there are there is a big buyer or big buyers out there that are approaching these exchanges to sell a crap load of Bitcoin. OTC. Now, as he was saying that, I was watching it this morning, and um, there was like another 1,000 or 1,200 Bitcoin market buy. That's what started this whole rally this morning. Um, and, I mean, there's just insatiable demand. Phil Potter was saying under a certain amount, he didn't, he doesn't know what it is. I say it's probably 1100 maybe, or even 1150. There is an insatiable demand right now for Bitcoin. And to me, that is, that says the ETF is getting approved. And it tells me also, like I said, when uh, I talked about this big time on my Patreon episode about all the cash buying happening around a thousand. And that that kind of set a floor. And I think throughout this whole run up, this whole rally over the last week has been a lot of cash buying, you know, not using margin, just buying the spot, buy and hold. A lot of this demand is that from there. And so when you have that type of foundation under you, people aren't as willing to sell or they can't get margin called, right? They, they're not willing to sell it off. And so... Uh, that's very strong floor. Um, but yeah, this, the ETF looks to be getting approved. There's tons of uh, demand. And, and you know, remember, these, it depends how much the Winklevoss are putting up of their own Bitcoin to back this. Like maybe they're saying, you know, they're saying at first they're going to put up 100,000 Bitcoins, but now they're saying, oh, we only want to put up 50,000. And so now these authorized participants, uh, the high frequency trader people, they're having to go out on the market and source this now. They're going to have to source a hundred thousand bitcoins before they're going to launch. So we could see a gig. I'm, that's just total complete speculation, but that's a possibility that they are sourcing it right now because it's going to be approved. And it's these high frequency, high volume people, um, that are connected with this ETF. And remember, Solid X is going to have to do the same thing right? So 
There is a crap load of demand out there. Okay, and now I want to stop there because I could go on and on about this, but now we're going to hit on this user-activated soft fork and what that means for SegWit. And we are about to... I mean, Bitcoin has never looked stronger than right now. Boom. All right, let's get into SegWit. That is the second biggest topic in Bitcoin other than ETF. So um, a kind of proposal, I mean, it's not an official proposal. It's it just a little write-up on uh, what he called a user-activated soft fork uh, that dropped out by Shaolin something or other on Bitcoin Talk, and then they put it onto the mailing list for the Bitcoin Core mailing list. And it got some attention and, and what it, it outlines is that the users are in charge. Okay. People have had enough of this, these miners filibustering this change because we don't need this. We don't need them to go along with it. The users are going to force the miners to do this. And I think it, if this wasn't what was planned all along by core it just has worked out so perfectly because i mean i believe it these guys are geniuses and this is possible that they have done this at least you know they set the 95% not only to uh, keep consensus keep, you know keep the network uh together but also to take kind of the legal burden off of them right because if you say there's one weak spot in ethereum it's vitalik if he goes to jail he's ethereum's done it's not going to be able to go on uh and all of these ethereum foundation people are in the same boat it's all centralized they're the hard forkers they can change it when they fucking want to but bitcoin is different bitcoin is its own entity and no, no one person or one group controls Bitcoin. And what, what core has shown here, because everybody's saying, oh, it's Blockstream core, Blockstream core. They're in charge. They are evil. Uh, they are controlling this whole thing. They're not. Look, they can't get their SegWit pass the way they want to. Yeah, they coded it up, but they can't get it passed. So how are they in control of core or how are they in control of Bitcoin? They're not. And it, so anyway, this, this user activated soft fork, the way that works from what I understand is that the users, and in this case, that would be like wallets and nodes. They would say, 
uh, full notes, they would say, hey, at this date, we are going to start relaying SegWit transactions. We will, they, they, that, it will be activated for us on that day. Okay. Like a flag day out there. And I think like October, when was the white paper dropped? October 1st, maybe? I think it was in October, right? Or October 30th, like right before Halloween. Whatever. That, that would be a cool flag day. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's, that's the idea here. The, the wallets and the nodes will say, we will broadcast these transactions. And remember, it's a soft fork. So these transactions do not break consensus. They do not fork the network. They do not do anything bad. And miners that want to mine these transactions are perfectly capable to do so. Miners that don't want to mine those transactions are equally just as capable to do so. But the miners that refuse to mine the SegWit transactions will be at a market disadvantage. And so all of these unlimited sons of bitches that say, I want that. Let's let the market decide the market decide. Okay. We will. We're going to start broadcasting these transactions. And if you don't want to put them in your blocks, don't. But I tell you what, if I'm using a SegWit transaction, I'm going to start using a, a super high fee. I'm going to use, I mean, a lot of my transactions are big. So I, can pay a $5 fee. And you know what? If I'm using a SegWit transaction, I'm going to use a goddamn $5 fee. And then these people, these miners that aren't doing this, are going to miss out on all these big transactions. Not just me. A lot of people around the space will do this. And put those miners at a disadvantage, and their competition is going to be making more money. And that does not break consensus whatsoever. All it does is it puts the miners that are dumb enough to not mine those transactions, it puts them at a disadvantage. The ones that are ideologically opposed to scaling it puts them at a disadvantage, and we get SegWit. We get the malleability, malleability fix. We get the extra space. The people that are going to be using SegWit are going to be benefiting. And Roger Ver, with his, uh, you know, constantly saying that he's waiting on his transactions to confirm and he can't send, uh, to all these different people, whatever he wants, you know, I don't know if he does affiliates or whatever he's paying these microtransactions to. If he uses a SegWit transaction, he'll be able to do that and he will, he will, ha there's be more space in the block. And so we'll have to make these people eat their own words. Let the market decide. And this user-activated soft fork is totally 100% in line with Bitcoin's quote-unquote core values. Bitcoin's, you know, cypherpunk root, roots. It's totally in line with that. And I freaking hope this goes through. I freaking hope they do it. Because I want those miners to eat it. The users are in charge. You miners need to sit down and do your job. You're getting paid to do your job. Now do it. <laughs> oh, 
Sorry, guys. I, I got a comment on one of my last podcasts about I need a smoke break. Like, I need to smoke some doobie to relax. But anyway, I have something else real quick on this. Is also, I want to... It's it's somewhat related here. Because I think this is the death of, of Unlimited. Um, and the death of this this filibuster that we're having that we've gone through a couple of these now in the last year year and a half um, and I think this is the end of this one so um, I want to just talk about kind of attack vectors because you know Bitcoin the cryptography cannot be attacked the network is very very robust and secure the proof of work is unassailable so you know programmatically it's 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 very secure the the weakness in Bitcoin and the weakness in most computer programs, honestly, this is from what I understand, is the human element, right? Social engineering. The weakest point is always the human. And so we've seen these attacks. So once they figured out they can't, they couldn't attack uh, um, the code and exploit some bug in the code, these, these attackers, state actors, banks, um, people that, you know, malicious actors, however you want to put that. Uh, they started by using rhetoric, you know, on human beings to suppress the price, calling us and to marginalize users, calling us terrorists, drug dealers, and, and all these things. Um, that didn't work. People are still jumping in. Uh, then they tried to introduce competition and, and talk about blockchain this and blockchain that. Maybe they thought it was going to work, but it was it was introduced at first as like, um, you know, as competition to Bitcoin to try to hold it hold it down. That's that's my opinion. And also, I mean, if you are an altcoin person, you're going to be pushing blockchain as well because you are competing against Bitcoin for every new user, for value, for usage, for miners, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. Um, they also pushed this fake division in the community with people crying censorship. It's, it's not very expensive to, as we've seen in some studies recently, it's not very expensive to, uh, attack Reddit, you know, with sock puppet accounts, with upvotes and downvotes and, and all that stuff. Uh, it get, get things moved up the list to the front page, yada, yada, yada. It's very easy to do that and not very expensive either. Um, and so once, you know, they, they purposely went against the moderation rules of our Bitcoin and cried censorship to divide the community. Even though it's not censorship, but <laughs> I mean, we all know the their claims and we hear them constantly. So how can they be censored? It's so annoyingly loud in my ear every time that they say something stupid like they do. How can they be censored? If something is censored, that means you don't hear about it. Like right now, there could be some news story out there that's being censored, and I wouldn't know because it's fucking being censored. But if you're out there claiming that we're being censored and tell me your opinions, you're not being censored. I don't know. I, how hard is that to understand? Anyway, so they did that social engineering on the community. 
Then they tried to get uh, Bitcoin Classic through. They used rhetoric in that too, where they said, you know, we have all this backing and people got really scared that Classic was actually had backing um, when it turned out that they didn't and yada, yada, yada. They tried to do a cheap, a relatively cheap attack and spin up a bunch of nodes to make it look like they had um, uh, support. Now that didn't work either. So they, they had to go to the more expensive route of actually going after the mining with Bitmain. And I don't even know if we could classify this in the same category here of attacks because Jihan is a psycho. So he's, you know, CEO of Bitmain. He He's a psychopath. So I don't know exactly what is going on with him. Uh, completely different culture over there who knows but bitcoin unlimited is the most expensive attack yet and it's failing they can't get support for it no one wants a hard fork so this the bitcoin has been so resilient against this social social attack now and i i just want to point out the ways that it has been attacked socially and how bitcoin has been very resilient to that um so what's the next attack vector? Who knows? It's probably going to be this ETF, right? If you can control the price, control a large quantity of uh, Bitcoin, maybe that's their next attack, attack vector, actually owning the currency, actually owning it and manipulating the price. Good luck with that as well, because, uh, you know, they'll be just as successful as these previous attempts in my my opinion so to sum up this part bitcoin has been under attack it's it's very programmatically secure very very secure uh, but the human element is the part that's being attacked social engineering dividing the community the rhetoric on both sides um, and now we bitcoin unlimited the latest uh, uh, social engineering attack on bitcoin is failing so if we get this user-activated soft fork, I hope that this gets more and more attention. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, tweet out. Let's start the discussion. Go on to Reddit, whatever you do. I don't really go on to Reddit all that much, except when people send me links and then I go on there. But uh, go on to Reddit if you're on Reddit. Go on to Twitter and Wherever else you have, you're in a little community, whatever chat group you're in, and start talking about this user-activated software. I link it in the show notes so you guys can get, uh, you know, right from the horse's mouth, read exactly what there is to say about it. Um, I'll put even in there the um, link to the mailing list so you'll get to see other people's comments on it. The last one I saw, I only saw one comment uh, that followed up this user activated soft fork post on the mailing list but uh, you can also go to the bitcoin talk thread and and check it out there but let's start having this discussion because this totally circumvents bitcoin unlimited it totally circumvents roger ver and his minions and jihan Wu and puts the power uh, right where it is but it exposes that the power is in the hands of the users so i think it'd be great to talk about more i might not have got everything right here um but this is how i understand it and you know i'm just relaying things to you guys so you guys can go out and have a better understanding of what's going on but also so that you can go research it on your own 
And if I'm wrong, tell me. Let's let's talk about it. Go, come on to Patreon, a dollar a month. Talk with all of my uh, members on there. You know, we're doing a pretty good job. I'm happy with the growth. We've seen steady growth, and and hopefully, uh, we we get more people on there. And this podcast it has the ability to reach new people, the noobs that are coming in. Maybe I shouldn't cuss so much, but maybe I should make it more approachable. I don't know. But this this podcast has the ability to reach new people coming in and cut off that attack vector for Bitcoin Unlimited, that getting all the noobs. I don't think they are necessarily because a lot of noobs are coming in just buying it from ATM because they need it or buying the ETF or, you know, big whales coming in. So, um, and they don't really care. <laughs> they see the price going up. They think the fundamentals are fine the way they are, which they are. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Uh, you can support the show at Bitcoin and Mar- or sorry, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets um, or at BitcoinandMarkets.com. That's where you find all the show notes and stuff, too. You can catch me on Twitter at Ansel Linder or the show's Twitter, BTCMRKTS. I will be on Bitcoin Meister show tomorrow, Friday the 3rd. So catch me there. See you next time. Bye, Bitcoin. Peace. <laughs>